0: Today on Inside the Ropes, some very big news breaking around Australian golf. We catch up with Cam Davis live from Tahoe in California. Some great stories out of the State Challenge with Stacey Peters and a whole lot more from right around the world. Let's go.
1: You're listening to Inside the Ropes, Australia's must-listen-to golf show with exclusive content from both home and abroad. Subscribe through your favorite podcast app or listen at golf.org.au.
2: G'day everybody, welcome to the show, it is Inside the Ropes episode 174, great to have you with us, lovely to have your company no matter where you may be listening and when you might be listening to the show. To give it some context today, we are recording on Tuesday morning uh, the 28th of July on a pretty significant day for Australian golf with the announcement. A bit earlier on this morning, Mark Hayes, we'll get to Simon Brookhouse, the Golf Australia Ops Manager in a moment, but the news a couple of hours ago um, that the Australian Open officially has been postponed. How are you, mate?
0: I'm well, thanks, Murray. Yeah, it's been a bit of a... I mean, it's probably not unexpected, but it's a bit of a sad day when you hear the National Championship's been uh, tiptoed until hopefully early next year. But it's, uh, it's, it's always daunting when you see it written down in front of you, I think, for the first time, even though you're sort of, you know, two and two... Uh, It was fairly addable a long way out on this front.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. But, you know, we we hold it dear to us here in Australia. It's a significant event globally given, you know, the, the longevity of it and the names on the trophy. I mean, this is a serious golf tournament. and We know that other serious golf tournaments around the world have had to contend with, you know, COVID-19 and the impacts of it. Some have decided to, you know, do what um, we've done here in Australia. Others are pushing on. We know the PGA Championships are a week away from commencing at Harding Park, and they're still thinking about playing the Masters without fans there, which seems in, in, in just seems impossible to believe and imagine what that tournament's going to look like without people in all the places that they're supposed to be. But we'll speak to Simon Brookhouse in a moment. Got a big show today. Cam Davis is going to join us. Stacey Peters is going to join us to have a chat about the State Challenge. We'll rip through all of the other bits and pieces. And there's a bit of stuff going on around the world of golfers. There always is. But in this neck of the woods, the announcement that was made by Golf Australia a bit earlier on this morning, our time um, has been the most seismic. And as I said, Simon Brookhouse from uh, GA has been good enough to join us simon it's a pretty significant day historically it's a pretty significant day when you ultimately make the decision to do what we've done today
0: yeah
3: good day andy good day mark how are you? Uh, it, it is a significant day and it's certainly uh, not a decision that w- we've made lightly um, but in 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 the context of, of where we are in a country in, in the middle of a pandemic and particularly here in victoria it's just made the ultimate sense to to make the decision to reschedule the event uh, with a view to playing it late in the summer in early 2021. Um, There's a lot of water to go under the bridge for that to occur as well. Uh, But in in, in discussions with the Victorian government, particularly with our our partners, Sport 5, PGH of Australia, the the best decision was in, in the really, you know, with respect to the health aspects of of everybody in the community to to reschedule this year, unfortunately.
0: So we'll talk about some of the reasons why in a second, Simon, but I just wanted to clarify with you. um, There's no doubt that if we can get it up and running as you obviously plan to and hope to in this summer upcoming, that Kingston Heath will still be the host club?
3: Yes, Kingston Heath certainly will be the host club. We've been in dialogue with them and they're very happy to support uh, the rescheduling, and we'll work with them to to make the event as good as we possibly can. Hopefully, in early 2021.
0: So the the, the problem obviously is with the the health, particularly here in Victoria, uh, but there's also issues around scheduling as well. Uh, it, it would have been particularly hard, given the Masters that Andy Andy mentioned a second ago, uh, is pushing out to the middle of November. Uh, it would have been a hard ask to get the field you really would like to have assembled anyhow back to Australia at all, given Quarantine restrictions,
3: etc. Absolutely, no doubt, Mark. One of, the, one of the considerations was obviously that, and not not so much just um, getting anybody to Australia, getting our own players back to come and play their national their national open would have been really difficult. Um, we all assume that the Masters will go ahead in that mid-November date, um, and with the current international quarantine laws that are you know evolving all the time, a fourteen-day quarantine period for anyone coming home would have made it near impossible to to play the event towards the end of November. So essentially what we're trying to do is really buy ourselves some time to still make this event a great event and get the best possible players we can, including, you know, the best Australian players. And it's not just the guys uh, who are playing in the PGA Tour. You think about all our Australian players who play globally, whether it be in Japan or in Asia or in Europe, uh, The quarantine laws make it very, very difficult to to come back in and go out again and and continue to earn money, which they have to do on those tours. So we had to take all that into account. And and I I firmly believe that we've made the right decision in the best interest of not only the tournament, but the golfers who want to participate and have supported the tournament year in and year out. And and we look forward to, to making a great event in conjunction with all our partners in Kingston Heath early next year.
2: Simon, many will um, many will suggest that this is the best thing for the long term future of the Australian Open. A lot of people have been advocating that January to March, you know, February window uh, is the best spot for the Australian Open, given the international schedule. Uh, a lot of people, while disappointed in the decision you know, you've been forced to make, a lot of people will see this as a turning point and maybe the tournament finding itself in its. From a future perspective, the best spot for it.
3: Yeah, look, I think that's a good comment. I mean, the one thing it allows us to do is is actually see whether that's true. Um, this mm-hmm. is one of the things that, through adversity, sometimes comes great opportunities. And I think we've got to be really positive about the golf industry. And so that, whilst COVID's a, a, a terrible thing worldwide in terms of the pandemic, the sorry, the pandemic, and then the, I guess the health issues it's causing, but it gives us an opportunity to actually evaluate is this best for the tournament, is this best for golf in Australia, to to look at a a February run, as you say, a February, March or even January uh, timeframe for these events and and will the players uh, globally support that? And we we like to think they will, um, but what it does do is it allows us to to have a go at it and see whether it works out.
0: So Simon... This is a question without notice. I assume that, given the the Vic Open hasn't been discussed, and presumably would still be in the same same time slot, is there any talk that the Australian Open could uh, become a European Tour event again? We've mentioned this previously on this podcast, uh, you know, about the possibility of aligning with a bigger tour. Is that on the table now, given that they might already be here for another tournament?
3: Look, to be brutally honest, Mark, like everything's on the tour. Um, on the tour, on the on the table, we really need to consider all our options, and we're not ruling anything out. Um, the success and the viability of these events is, is paramount to us, and, and we will give all consideration to whether well, co-sanctioning arrangements need to be changed, um, whether or not. Um, what are the best dates? Whether it's February, whether it's January, whether it's March. All these things need to be considered as we work through. And I, I honestly sit here and talk to you now and say that. Um, from a Golf Australia perspective and and the the future of the Australian Open, nothing's off the table at the moment.
2: Where are we at from a broadcaster's support perspective, Simon? In
3: terms of, uh, obviously, our current broadcasters, Channel 7, and we're in dialogue with them about the, the, the shift and the reschedule. They've been fully briefed and are supportive of what we're doing and we'll continue to discuss it with them moving forward.
2: Simon, uh, it feels like another. It, just, just on that, Hazy. Sorry, Hazy. Just on that, it feels like it wouldn't be um, a difficult move for them to envisage. I, I haven't got their entire schedule in front of me, but it feels like from Channel Seven suite of offerings, February feels like it might sit a bit more comfortably for them than maybe the kind of mid to late November or, or the November window might. Uh, am I right in saying that?
3: um from from our point of view look it's difficult to know at the moment with the big, because a number of sporting events are rescheduling uh the big bash is on around that time and finishes i believe i think the final's been announced on the 6th of february uh, that saturday night then you've got women's uh, AFLW commencing no doubt in that time frame as well so there are commitments to other sports but um you know, the, the positivity that Channel 7 has shown towards us with this event's been fantastic. And, and we think that it, it can certainly be scheduled at that time of year, no problem.
0: So, Simon, uh, I'm firmly of the opinion, as you stated before, that the pandemic is obviously nasty for everyone, but does present its opportunities. Um, there's another one that you've announced today in respect to the Australian Amateur Championships, not just the amateur, but all the sweet of national championships played for amateur golfers. Um, Some big news on that front too.
3: Yeah, there certainly is, is Mark. And I guess what we're trying to do um, as an organisation is trying to get some consistency around all of our events. Um, We've had for many, many years varying types of state championships, national championships and how they're played and what we're announcing around our uh, our major amateur events and our national events. It's just some consistency to bring them all into line and, and in line with what we're trying to achieve around um, equality and, and, and men's and women's combinations around events as well. So I think, you know, what we're doing, whilst it's it's certainly not radical, but it is new and it is it is going to be a change. And with change within any industry, particularly golf, comes some sort of push back but what we're strongly of the belief is that what we're doing is actually for the benefit and the growth of these events to make sure that they're in the best interest of the players and the future stars of the game but also in the best interest of the clubs who support us and give up their courses for these times and don't impact on their members as greatly. There's been times in the past where we've required courses for up to 12 to 14 days for events at an amateur level and that that's not as palatable as it used to be because people are members of clubs are paying good money to use their courses. So we've got to think and be agile about what's best for, for not only our events, but what's best for our member clubs to support them as well. So a lot of the changes we've been made haven't strictly been just purely for golf. Um, they've been for a number of reasons to support our member clubs, to mean we can get the best possible courses for our national championships without a great impost on their members but also provide great opportunities for equality and try and encourage the the men's and women's where we possibly can in all our events to be combined. And I think we've shown the world that that is a great way to go in golf. And if it's successful in, say, the Vic Open as a professional tournament, there's no reason it can't be through our national junior through to our national senior events. And, And some of these changes, as I say, will have a negative impact for some people. Uh, But the reality is we believe and firmly believe that they're in the best interest of the growth of the game moving forward.
0: So I will just point people for the uh, details on that to go to the Golf Australia website, golf.org.au and follow that story, Andy. But the the chief takeouts here are all the tournaments are going to be played. So we're talking the Australian amateur, the Australian mid-amateur, the senior amateur, the junior amateur and the two interstate, the junior and the open age interstate series are all going to be a lot more streamlined, a lot more consistently delivered played at one course, played within a week, uh, the actual weekdays of one specific week so that the the host clubs aren't affected and it opens up a lot more opportunities for, uh, I guess, without running to run down some of the other courses that have put their hands up previously, that we can take the championships to the best possible courses around Australia. And that's a big thing ongoing because it was getting harder and harder as the tournament's extended out to find host clubs that were able to give up their courses for so long. I think... The only other massive change that of note, really, there's, there are two others. One is, as Simon points out, the concurrent nature of the men's and women's events, which I think is fantastic. And the other one on the amateur, the Australian amateur, um, and it's more to reflect what else is happening around the world and definitely how professional events are run, the, the match play phase of the Australian amateur championship will be no longer, um, but it's all to do with consistency of product around the country. So point everyone to golf.org.au and read the details of that story. If you want a bit more. Um, but while we've got Simon's, Andy, just one last question I want to put to him because he's not only in Rand tournaments, but he's also uh, got his finger on the pulse of the grassroots stuff. Simon, it's been a tricky time—the revised lockdown in Melbourne. Um, how are, how how are people dealing with that, and how is Golf Australia dealing with some of the problems that that's conjuring up? Well, look, it's
3: it is a tricky time, Mark, but I, I can say, and, and we should all be very very proud from a, a golfing community perspective that we are one of the sports who's still playing. Whilst we've got some restrictions on what we can and can't do um, throughout the whole pandemic, even the first lockdown with the exception of Victoria, golf has continued everywhere. And I think that's a great thing. And it, and it points to a great respect for the safety of our sport and the well-being of the community that we've been allowed to do that Um you know, one of the challenges in Victoria at the moment is we're restricted to two balls and, and, and we understand the reasons for that. Um, obviously, to keep social distancing and, and minimise any risk of the, the COVID spread. Um, we also are not allowed to have competition golf. Um, and that's not that's not because everyone is against competition golf. It's because we, we fit into a larger a uh, societal issue of all sport and all community sport. And I think that there's a lot of people out there who question why... You can't play competition golf or run a competition at the moment. And the simple answer is, is because the governments don't want us doing that. Um, we're happy to have handicapped scores for people who play together, and that's fine to challenge yourselves and have your handicap. But we also have to be realistic that as a sport, we're not above the law. We are a sport that um, has been really, really fortunate through this period of time to be able to continue to play. I, I you know, A lot of people know my background of uh, passion for basketball I've worked in before, and there's kids out there who haven't been able to play basketball since mid-March, and there's adults out there who haven't been had have their weekly run-around on the basketball court since mid-March. There's community football clubs who are going to go to the wall. Um, there's community netball clubs. And, and all these sports, unfortunately, have been much harder hit than us. We, we still have the ability to go out and play the game. We accept the fact that it's at times difficult to understand why some of these rules are put in place, but we should also be respectful of the fact that we, we have got the support of the government, particularly here in Victoria, to allow us to continue in this lockdown. The other issue that's, that's coming forward quite... Uh, I, I, look, I won't say in, in great rushes at the moment, but we are hearing that there's a, a requirement that... Sorry, a, a lack of understanding of why we're required to wear masks while we're playing golf. The, the reality of that is is that you have to wear a mask when you're walking outside. That is now lawful. Uh, and golf is essentially walking. Uh, it's not considered a strenuous exercise like running uh, and or cycling or a personal training session or those sort of things I mean the the reason golf has been allowed to keep going is it's considered recreational exercise and one of the reasons why we pushed to keep it open in the first place was that it was very similar to walking around the block so I think from an industry point of view whilst it's a little bit uncomfortable at times to wear a mask I, I had this discussion with the the Golf Victoria AGM last night, I think I'd prefer to be able to go and play my game of golf in a bath than not play at all. And I guess that the one thing is we don't want to be the... You don't want to be the golf club or the individual who who breaks those rules and has the whole industry shut down here in Victoria. And I urge everybody to support the government regulations. We will get back to normality. We will play golf in four balls again and we'll have competition and it won't be too far away. But while we can, not enjoy what we've got and be thankful... That you know we're not like all these other sports, and, and think it through. That you know how many community football clubs and community netball clubs may not be here next year because of this pandemic, and we're, we're really lucky that we've been able to continue to play. And I just urge everybody to support that and, and, and enjoy what we've got. That's all I can really sort of say on that, Mark.
2: And as you're answering the question, as well as your were, Simon, the data for Tuesday has just bobbed up again after a horror day here in Victoria yesterday. Another 384 new cases have been added today. Six yeah. other Victorians have lost their lives, and the Premier, Dan Andrews, has announced more elective surgery restrictions. So that's the reality. You know, if you don't want to wear a mask when you're playing golf, don't play golf. If you don't want to wear a mask when you're going for a walk, don't go for a walk. Sit at home. Enjoy your own company because no one else wants to enjoy it if you're not going to play by the rules. It's becoming increasingly obvious, I would have thought. Hey, um, there's, me, there's, another, there's There's another. the first of a few editorial comments that I reckon, for you, Hazy. I'm, just, I'm in the mood to chuck a couple in at the moment. I'm, that, that woman at Bunnings has got me really upset this week. Hey, um, Simon, uh, it's, it's a big day for Australian golf. Thanks for coming on and um, yeah. filling us in here on Inside the Ropes. Appreciate your time.
3: Anytime,
2: guys. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Good on you, Thanks, mate. Simon Stay Brookhouse, Golf right, Australia, Operations Manager, joining us on the show. Anything hazy you want to add to that before we wrap up the opening segment? Um, Cam Davis standing by ready to join us after this.
0: Yeah, no, i just I just reiterate what you and Simon both said. I mean, it's a sad day. We, we hold the Stonehaven Cup very dear. Um, so, you know, while it's tough to not see the Australian Open every 12 months if it does paint an opportunity in the medium future medium term future to get the tournament into a spot where it can hold its own be locked down we all know it's been a moving feast for the last 20 25 30 years even now uh oh geez it'd be good to have a home um if this does provide us an opportunity to get to that position then i'm all for it. It's a tough decision. I know I've seen Simon agonising over a few of these uh, calls that he's had to make. Mm. So um, yeah, tough one, but hopefully a better one for the long-term future of the tournament.
2: Uh, Okay, Cam Davis, uh, who we hope to see playing in the Australian Open for the next 25 years plus, was uh, flying the flag for us on the weekend over at the PGA Tour. He's going to join us. He had a little run-in with a butterfly at one stage too. We'll have to Have a chat to him about that when he joins us next. You're listening to Inside the Ropes.
1: Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia.
2: Welcome back to the show. Uh, Because of who I do the show with on a weekly basis, uh, that being Mark Hayes, we do have great access to so many Australian players around the world, particularly the young flotilla, the flotilla of young players around, around the globe who are, Flying the Australian flag on a weekly basis, increasingly so, as everything starts to attempt to kind of crank up after the COVID shutdowns. And it was nice to see Cam Davis on the weekend contending again. uh, The 25-year-old 2017 Australian Open champion has been good enough to join us on Inside the Ropes. Cam, great to have you on the show, mate. Thanks for giving us a few minutes of your time.
4: No worries. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on.
2: Just looking at the week-to-weeks with you, it, 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 you had the four missed cuts coming into the weekend. It, it, it must have been nice to, to get through to the weekend, but but I suspect you haven't probably been playing that badly uh, leading into this one. Is, is the read right?
4: Well, yeah. I mean, I was missing most of my cuts by one. or by Two of those cuts were by one, and one of them was by two, and then the other was a little bit of a blowout. But... Um, yeah, it's just it's taken me a little while to kind of get back into the rhythm of things. I took a, quite a long break um, during the quarantine. I got a lot of big things in my life sorted. I, I got a house and I got a dog, and you know I had plenty of things to keep me occupied. But the one thing that kind of lagged a little bit was my getting back to playing golf. So I was definitely underprepared starting out, um, and because I was playing really well just before the quarantine hit. Um, and all this, yeah, you know, everything started going crazy. I was doing really well, but the things that I was doing, all these little things that I was kind of doing subconsciously and automatically, uh, I wasn't doing anymore. And it took me a little while to catch on, but I did some great work with, um, Neil Smith, who I'm working with, on, uh, you know, going back and kind of going through all the little things that, you know, a part of, bringing the whole picture together and uh, I think this week was the first week that I really did a good job of all that all that side of things and just
0: like...
4: managing my way around and all of a sudden you know I wasn't worried about a cut line anymore because I was well ahead of it so it was really nice it's a nice trend.
0: So before we ask you about the specifics of the golf can better tell us about the house and the dog whereabouts and what have you mm. settled up with?
4: Uh, I'm in Seattle. Um, I, uh, yeah, I'm not too far away from Sahali uh, Golf Club, where I practice out of Endall Um just a little bit east of the city. Um, yeah, it's a really nice part of town. Um, it's pretty quiet, but um, lots of nice family neighborhoods and stuff. So we're very happy to to pitch up the a spot there and um working on the backyard to get a nice chipping area and uh, try and make it a little bit more homely. So that's coming along really well. And, um, we got a dog. He's going to be a pretty big boy. He's, um, he's six months old now and he's, uh, well, he's, um, shepherd, husky, Malamute and, um, <laughs> something else. He's, he's, he's a bit of a mix. We got a rescue. We like, uh, we like giving rescues a chance. So, um, we um we've had Hobbs for yeah for a while now, and he's uh, he's already uh, getting pretty big. But he's awesome. He uh, loves Hobbs. the hose and uh,
2: Hobbs. Where yeah. Hobbs come from?
4: Yeah. Um. Well, it actually came from the comic. We know it's not a dog, but um, I, I don't know it just suited him. It was just a name that kind of <laughs> kind of stuck with us.
0: Uh, you're gonna have to um, play well to feed him if he's got all those sort of. Uh, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Yeah,
4: good feed, Bill. <laughs> he's also he's a combination, I think, of like the four biggest shedders as well. So he's he's done <laughs> to uh, he's done to leave the leave the hair around. But um, no, he's been awesome. We, we both wanted a bigger dog, someone that we can uh, rough and tumble with a little bit, and you know, play a bit rough with, but at the same time, be a big cuddly guy. So we think we hit the jackpot with him. So we've been pretty happy. It's been nice to spend the first couple of months having him. To be there, it's been nice to be there the whole time to kind of go up through the uh, through all the stages of him getting comfortable, and um yes, yeah, so and now now I come on the road and then come back home and he still remembers me, so that brings a smile to my face. So it's, it's been so good. Cam, when,
2: when you, good. When you look down, done. well, you're putting your roots down there. When you look down the road, you know, in, into your future, what, what does it look like to you? What is the next ten fifteen years look like in terms of, you know, where you're gonna live predominantly and uh you know, how often you're gonna get back home to Australia. Have you have you kind of got it nutted out in your own mind how you're gonna kinda of balance um, you know, where you work and and live now and where home is?
4: Um, yeah, I mean I've got a pretty good system going at the moment that I I'll definitely stick with at least to the next uh, few years of um always coming back home especially for Australian Open and PGA and then every second year staying for Christmas and New Year's and spending spending that with my family um back home in Sydney and then yeah alternating between there and Seattle Seattle's basically home for me now um yeah. my fiance and her family are all there and it's just a really comfortable environment for me I feel very uh very at home there and um yeah, I mean, I can see in the future maybe potentially, you know, during winter when I do spend some time there, maybe traveling a little bit further south for a week to get some work done. But for the most part, you know, snow is still a novelty for me. I'm not there that often during the winter anyway. But um, it's a great part of the world up there. So that's that's pretty much the system I've got going now. And I can't see that changing too much over the next few years until uh, the... Big things happen, and I can I can afford to make some bigger changes to that. But um, yeah, I always want to come back home each year, so it's it's going to be a little sad to uh, spend as much time away from home, home home as uh, as I am this time around. Yeah. yeah.
0: Mm. Well, we love to hear that you're coming home, mate. So that's always a good thing. But this week we've found you. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where you are. Whether you're in Reno or Tahoe as we speak, but you're down in that neck of the woods on the border of California and Nevada for the Barracuda Championship. And um, I would imagine that this is an event, I know it's a different format to normal, but you're rolling in there. And I I want to say to you that you've got a really happy knack of putting your name in the frame when you get a chance. I think one of these wins is going to bob up with your name on it soon. Is that the way you feel?
4: Um, I mean, I can see the way that I'm playing. If If I put it all together, it's just a matter of, making a few more putts and just not having a stretch of holes each round or every couple of rounds where i really don't take advantage of the easier holes. I think that was really what it was last week. Just, I had a couple of periods where there were four or five holes in a row that are pretty gettable and they go through it one over or even par. And it's just the, the guys who are winning are just constantly grinding out those stretches under par and, um, I mean, it, it wasn't far off. I mean, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot more chances this year, um, getting my name up closer to that lead. And I can see where I've misstepped and not, so that I've not gotten over the line. But I can also see how easily that could flip, and um, I could get on the right side of that. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like I've definitely got the game if I put it all together to to win for sure. And um, it's just a matter of. You know, starting each week fresh, not getting the expectations up super high, just going out there and um, basically doing doing what I do, and then see where that leads me. And uh, that that's the mindset I think that work, would work best for me, especially as I got closer to the lead, to not try and force it. Um, there are guys that love seeing the leaderboards and love knowing exactly where they stand. I kind of like just cruising through, and then you know, if I'm up at the top. That's awesome. I'll I'll keep it going. So it's exciting. It's nice to have some form. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this week. This will be a lot of fun. The ball's going to go so far at the attitude we're at this week. So it will be exciting.
2: (laughs) So you're getting used to golf over there and and life on that tour, Cam. You talk about, you know, you like kind of cruising through tournaments and just trying to play every shot as well as you possibly can. But are you now kind of conscious of how you've got to score? You know th- those four missed cuts. You had seventy-three was the worst shot in, in any of those rounds. So it's not like you're playing badly at, at, by any stretch of the imagination. But but to to make cuts and contend over there, you've got to. You know, you, you know this better than me. But you've just got to shoot. You've got to make a lot of birdies. Are, are you having to kind of flip something in your own approach to, um, you know, to to make yourself, put yourself in that kind of frame?
4: Um. I don't. I don't. I don't really know. I mean, the difference between this uh, last, the last week and the weeks before, the, the weeks beforehand, I actually felt like it was difficult for me to have a low round just because I don't think I quite had all my systems figured out yet. I was, you know, I was still rush, rushing some shots when I was playing and uh, getting down on myself and things weren't going well and trying too hard and. This week was a much better week of just staying really level all the way through. So I think that's more where it comes from. Um, if you, if you're able to kind of just keep your rhythm right from the word go, it's going to give you the best opportunity to um, to kind of build those four days together because it was becoming very much uh, trying really hard early on. Cause I know that I've got to make a lot of birdies and usually, for me, at least, the harder I try, the the more sideways the ball will go. So, <laughs> it's got to be more of a relaxed sort of okay. If I do, if I tick all these boxes and then and then swing the swing that I plan on swinging, then I'll look up and I'll see the ball going where I want it. So, I think that just just that little shift is enough to but the birdies come much more easily when when you go through it yeah, that right. way. Then, um, yes. yeah, then when you're really trying hard, because if you look up and see the first round lead is at nine under and you're feeling like you're getting left behind and you're one under, I mean, you've still got three 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 and a half rounds or something to go and there's plenty of holes in there. It's just being able to see it as a long-term thing and, you know, it's it's okay if you have to play safe because you don't feel comfortable hitting at some pins or if there's some water close by because sure. there's only a couple of holes you're taking out of play and you're still making par there so it'll um yeah it'll build together um much more nicely and much more easily taking that calmer approach
0: ken i just want to i just want to hark back to what you said about the altitude there because i'm fascinated by the difference that it makes in your game so give us a number if you don't mind an easy driver that you're hitting at the moment at, at sea level and what it's going to be this week at uh, at Tahoe up in the Sierra Nevadas there because obviously it's going to fly a lot further.
4: Okay, I've got a stock driver swing that, I mean, I don't really hit it too uh, soft. Uh, my stock driver swing is like a pretty standard, you know, eighty-five to ninety percent sort of swing. Goes maybe two seventy-five meters carry. I don't get any roll for some reason, so I just hits two seventy-five and plugs out here probably. <laughs> Um, three, it'll be over 300 for sure. Wow. Um, it just depends how, how hot it is, um, because that'll make a big difference as well. But it's just, it depends how high you hit it as well, um, and how much spin you have on the ball. So it, it'll actually, it won't go as far with the driver percentage wise as it will with the irons. I feel like for me personally, I feel like I hit my irons further than I do my driver, um. Just because, I don't know, the ball stays in the air a little bit longer and because the air's a little thinner, I don't know, it just seems to carry. I hit my six iron like 30 metres further and I hit my driver 20 metres further. So, <laughs> But um, there's not as much um, altitude, um, so not as much elevation change on this course this year as there was last year. Uh, Barracuda, um, the Barracuda tournament last year at Montreux had some like massive drops downhills and you've got no idea what to hit. I think this week's going to be a little bit easier. It's a little
2: flutter. So, Cam, we're talking to Cam Davis. When, when you um, make the shift to, to play on that tour, you know, when you get out on the range, you, there's, there's kind of household names and superstars left, right and centre. It's a different world, I imagine, for a young golfer out of Australia to, to find yourself in that environment week in, week out. Have you are you now comfortable? You know, rubbing shoulders, standing next to you know Tony Feenow, one side of you on the range, and I don't know, I can't remember who, but you know, Jordan Speed. Pick any name. You sort of any names you like. You can throw into the mix. Are you now comfortable being part of um, of, of that of that cohort?
4: Um. So I, I was getting uh, so early on. It was obviously a. Uh pretty cool thing it was a, it was a thrill to look around and, and see all these names going wow it's, it's cool to be out here it, it changes after a little while of just seeing them over and over again seeing the hit balls in the range and then i think the final comfort factor is actually playing with them and that's when you get that's when you really start to feel comfortable obviously if you've gotten to the tour you're playing good enough to compete with them but um, when you see them actually play, and you see the way they you see the way they hit the ball, and and their ball flight, and the way they work their way around the golf course, and you go, oh, well, if when I'm playing well, I can definitely keep up with that for sure. I mean, I've I've played more rounds this year with some more top names. I've had quite a few practice rounds with Spieth, and uh, play with Justin Thomas, and this week I play with Charles Howell, and. Uh, Charles Schwartz will have both obviously been great ball strikers like they're known for being great ball strikers and just watching them play and I feel like yeah, those guys are known as being super consistent, great ball strikers, great golfers, won massive tournaments and uh I feel like I can I can keep up with that. So it's just I think just seeing it is the big the biggest thing that can happen for you in terms of a comfort yeah. level. So it's I'm I'm still really interested um in seeing how guys play. Um there's still a lot of guys I haven't seen play yet and um would be interested just to see what it's like. And I would still I'd still be watching if I was playing with them, watching what decisions they're making and how they how they're playing, what shots they take, their ball flight the sound, all that sort of stuff because all I've ever seen them play, the only time I've ever seen them play is on TV and obviously it's Mm. different on TV to what it is in in real life so I still am intrigued by how how some guys might play out there and I would like to see it but I have seen a lot, I've seen a lot of guys play in person now and play on the course with them and um, it's nice to know that they're all down to earth guys and very happy to have a chat and um, at the same time, you know, their games are impressive but I feel like I can I can keep up with them just fine. So, yeah, it's exactly. it's all rounding out to yeah. I know if I just do my thing, I can compete with them, and I know if it all comes together as well, and I have a week of no mistakes and good solid playing, I can win. So, that's where I'm at right now.
0: Well, you've got your name on that Stonehaven Cup, just like Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy, mate. So there's no reason you can't get it on a few more that they've shared. But uh, I want to ask you, uh, even without the you know the big win that you. You mentioned there, um, up to ninety eighth in the FedEx Cup standings. That's coming around soon, pretty soon. The the tour championships, the at FedEx Cup finals, all that sort of caper. Have you got your eye on that at all? Uh, and does that sew you up the card for next year, or is that not already? Is that already not in doubt given the pandemic?
4: Um, I really, I really don't know. With, with three tournaments to go, uh, I can play. Two of them, and also this week there's less points. I don't know how it all works out. If I'm certain, no, definitely into the playoffs or not at this point, I'm, to be honest, I just want to knuckle down and have another really good week this week. I know that would definitely, yeah, sell it up. But um, I know focusing on that is, is going to hurt me more than help me. Um, at this point, to be honest, it's it's one, one tournament at a time. And it's, like, strictly that way because I know getting ahead of myself is... Uh, is no good for me. That was a that was, uh, lesson learned from last year of, you know, getting off to an, an OK start to the season and then spending the rest of the year just concentrating, trying to finish top 125. And as every tournament that went by that I didn't play well was another tournament, I was going, jeez, I've lost another opportunity. I need to do better next week. And it just turns into a bit of a self-destructive sort of thought process for me. So, I um, yeah, I just... I always and all focus are on uh, this this week right now.
2: That's a good lesson to learn. Like, yeah, she yeah. sounds like you got your head in a really good space at the moment, young fella, which is really good. Just one last one from me before I'm done. That that butterfly, um, clearly, it, did, <laughs> did it knock that ball offline? What what was the go there? Did did it, what, tell me what happened with that?
4: Okay, so of the putt with the butterfly is. I had a putt over a bit of a ridge and it was downhill, second half of the putt to the hole. When I hit it, I thought I hit it way too hard and it was way up to the right. I pushed it and the butterfly was just sitting there kind of close to the ball. I asked the butterfly if it could slow my ball down because I thought it was (laughs) around 10 feet apart. And um, it actually slowed up a bit faster than I thought it was going to, but I wouldn't wouldn't mind if it just gave it a little kick to the left for it to to get back on line, but... um, but that was kind of funny. I'm surprised that they caught that on camera. Actually, I, I didn't realise they were oh. following us at that point. But um, went all that was, yeah, everyone, the wo- everyone, floor everyone floor
2: in my the group
4: seen <laughs> Yeah, everyone in my group laughed. They all thought it was kind of funny. But I, um, yeah, it didn't. It didn't hurt me. It could have helped a bit more there.
2: Mate, um, we're all watching from a million miles away. I know, you know, where you are and with everything going on in the world, it, it must feel like a different planet sometimes that you're on and uh, what we're doing back here. But uh, everyone in Australia is, you know, kind of really keen eye on what you're doing and the other, particularly the young younger Australians around the world. You're flying the flag brilliantly on behalf of the game in this country. Good luck. Um, well played last weekend. Good luck this weekend coming up and um, many, many... Um, Uh, Good wishes for future successes down the track, mate. Thanks for being part of the show today. I
4: appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks.
0: Thanks, Kev.
2: Good on you. Cam Davis, one of the young men out there and women who are doing Australia so proud around the world. And he's uh, got a big weekend, got a couple of big weeks coming up for him uh, in the next two or three as um, a few of the serious moments of this golfing season over in America start to loom hazy.
0: Yeah, and you know, obviously he's got his right focus on there that suits him. But he does have a really big chance coming up in the next few weeks uh, to push home. He may not even be listening to us anymore. Probably not. Would be beneficial for him. But uh, yeah, he has got a really good chance up into the top hundred in the FedEx Cup. And if he can knock off a good result at Barracuda, who knows where he might finish. Here, here. Uh, a break here on Inside the Rope. Stacey Peters is going to join us next. And we'll wrap up a lot more, Andy, on the rest of those tournaments a little later on in the show as well. Okay, don't go anywhere. More to come after the break.
1: Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia.
2: Great to have you with us on Inside the Ropes. Uh, Regular listeners to the show will have heard Hazy and Stacey Peters and a few others talking about uh, a concept that has been put together, the state challenge in this kind of time of lockdown before we get to Stace, who, who's going to join us in a moment, Hayes, you just refresh the memories of some people as to what um, the state, the state series, the state
0: challenge has all been about. So, as you say, Andy, it was designed to um, give pros and amateurs alike a chance to play during the pandemic and uh, hopefully have them without any tournament rust when they come back to uh, a schedule that they can play later in the season. So it was a mixture of men and women and a mixture of amateurs and professionals. It ended up being played in WA, SA and Queensland. And I looked some of the stories there of jumping off the page. Can't wait to talk to Stacey about them. Well, she joins us now. Uh, It's been a
2: fantastic concept, Stace. Good to have you back on the show. Um, You're well? You're good?
1: Hey, guys. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks for having me on today.
2: Um, what what have your overarching thought about the the challenge um, events that have run in the three states that Hazy's mentioned stays From a player's perspective, how valuable have they been?
1: Yeah, I think it's you know it's been really really important over the last uh, last three weeks where sort of the ALPG PGA and uh, Golf Australia you know came together to try and come up with something to give these guys some competition, but at the same time maybe offer some. I guess sort of some mentoring opportunities where we've got some not older players. I won't say that out loud, will I? But <laughs> some more experienced players, professionals playing with some of our up and coming amateurs. So you know, I think it's doing more than just creating competition. It's creating that connection with uh, the more experienced players, and hopefully, hopefully, our young you know top amateurs sort of bled them dry of information. I'd like to think can. From all reports around the country, it's you know it's been great, and I really hope that we can, you know, do more of this um, over the coming months if, if we're going to be still in this uh, lockdown situation.
0: Uh, look, I'm gonna I'll take the heat off you, Stays, because I'll I'll actually pinpoint someone who's having a bit of an age crisis, and that was Brett Rumford who turned 43 yesterday. Boy. We're, Birthday boy. So on his on his uh, birthday, or, well, on the Monday. Yeah, that's right, on the Monday. Yep, Brett Rumford turned 40, yep. 43, Murray, and uh, he is the king of giving lessons to anyone who will listen, who wants to take him up. Yeah. And I, and I know that there are some who uh, were in that WA field who really took advantage of that, as as he's readily available to you know to any of these guys and girls at any time, but. Let me just walk you through his cards for the six rounds, Andy. 67, oh, yeah. 67, 73. 67, 67, 67. Stace, nice. that's good. And that obviously,
1: good. we uh, we only count five out of the six. So that'll just, uh, for Rummy, we'll just take five rounds of 67, thanks.
2: <laughs> that'll do. But to be
1: a, to be Sorry. the runaway winner from uh, from young Connor McKinney, the the amateur, who, who obviously took out the amateur prize for the week.
2: So, yeah, very impressive uh, by Rummy. So, so he wins by 10 uh, on the best five of the six. Uh, you mentioned Connor McKinney runner-up. Hannah Green finished third. And then you look down the leaderboard, and there's, there's names that just jump off the page to those who have followed the professional game. Like I have Daniel Fox and Michael Long, and Ollie Goss was playing in the tournament, which is great to see him having some, you know, some solid um, some solid competitive golf as well. We had such high hopes for him, didn't we, about... Five or six years ago, and he's made a bit of a lifestyle life choice. But um, you look at the quality of the names that are around there, and uh, it's it's no mean feat to, to to walk past some of those players and knock them over by ten shots, as well as some of the amateurs in the field.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's uh, it's really impressive. And even I think again, just going back to what the you know the event was about. Like I spoke to some of the young girls. Like uh, we spoke to Catherine Norris. Um, and Maddie Hinton Tolchard on the show quite regularly, and you know they got to play with Hannah, and they just thought that this was like amazing that they were playing in competition golf with Hannah Green. Um, I mean, again, just to what the what the idea of the uh, event was for. So I think we've uh, we've achieved all of that, and I hope we can do more of it going forward. And and you know Green is going off to play Scottish Open, British Open in the coming weeks, so this is going to be great competition for us. So I hope this is a great yeah. a great lead up.
0: You know that's perfect for Hannah, I would imagine. And I just want to make mention before we leave WA of another young woman on the rise, Kirsten Rudgeley. I mentioned her last week, Andy. She yeah. not only has finished midfield there, and if you take out um, one one so-so round, that she would have been right in the mix too with Hannah, which is a great achievement. But she also got it through uh, another round of the match play at the at the Perth uh, the Perth City Amateur at the week, so she actually finished in the top eight of a men's and women's event on the off the black tees at Royal Perth. So huge achievement by Kirsten yeah. Rudgley again. And just, you know, just going from strength to strength over in WA. Um, moving across yeah. the Nullarbor, I wanted to point out another you know, genuinely impressive amateur story that's emerged here. And that's the winner of the State Challenge in, in uh, Jack Thompson, one of the great names mm-hmm. in Australian uh, modern history, Andy. And we've got another one. In my word, yes. it is. Another
2: Jack Thompson to add to the great lexicon of Jack Thompson's in Australia, Hazy. Oh, no, this is
1: a fantastic Yeah, again, he's, uh, yeah, he's closed out. In, in SA, they only had, uh, because the first round was cancelled due to weather, they counted five from five rounds. So, Jax Thompson has had rounds of 68, 67, 72, 72, and closed out with another 68 to be uh, the runaway winner from Peter Cook and Matt Lisk tied in second so pretty impressive from uh, from Tomo there, and then Peter and Matt got to split the money. So they would have been happy all round, I'd say.
2: And you you look at that U two, and you look at that final round scoring. You mentioned there was a bit of you know weather around at the start of the South Australian State Challenge. The average, I reckon, outside of Jack Thompson would have been around about seventy three seventy four for that final round. Just just having a quick glance through the scores without having done the maths, maybe even half a shot higher than that. He shot 68 to close it out. So, in conditions that everybody else was finding difficult, he's um, he's had equal to his second best round of the of the tournament, which is credit to him. When you when you can put together a good score when everybody else in the field is struggling,
0: that that says a bit about you, I reckon. Says everything, I reckon. Yeah, I think... and, and as mm. Stacey will point out in a second. I mean, he was so impressive. I'm sure Stacey in the in the uh, Asia-Pacific Amateur Championship last time it went around. It, he, his experience in playing for Australia and being near the top of the leaderboard. I reckon really going to stand him in good stead when all this is over.
1: Yeah, definitely. And knowing, you know, like guess it is only within your own state and everything, but to go up against like other professionals. And I think, you know, sort of to see where your game's at. But like Murray pointed out there, to shoot 68 when the next best is 71, I think that really shows you uh you know, that you've played a darn good round. Um, yeah, so I think this is really going to put him in good stead for, uh, you know, for the next 12 months ahead. And, yeah, like hopefully we can do... Like, yeah, they are having the South Australian Amateur coming up late uh, late August, but, you know, hopefully we can keep creating some more of these sort of competitions for these guys. Yeah.
0: I'm not going to run down on the achievements of Brett Rumford or Jack Thompson, Andy, but I reckon if you had to pick yes, a back, back page lead for, you uh, had to pick a back page lead for what we we're talking about with the state challenge, you can look no further than when we head north and find Karis Davidson. I mean, yes. she has turned, <laughs> she has uh, played five subpar rounds against all the men coming out of the whole way. Um, she's the only woman on the leaderboard. The other. The other four, uh, all emerging players, plus Becky K at the bottom, uh, are nowhere near her, and yet she's absolutely flogged the field of really yep. great male players in Queensland. And there's some really talent, really talented players among them, and she's closed out Andy with a sixty-four, if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah,
1: so so impressive from Karis, and I think. I think it just goes to show the the work that Karis has been doing these last uh, three, four months is really going to show. I mean, some, some people have chosen to take a break during this time. Some people are, you know, just playing a bit of golf. Like, no, no, Karis has seen Tripsy regularly. She's working out a lot. She's practicing. She's playing. She's been trying to play competition matches like friendlies at the golf club. Um, you know, like she was absolutely out there taking this seriously, wanting to, wanting to win it all. And, and she did. She won. It was wire to wire. She won each of the, you know, the 36 holes. Then she wins the overall. Um, she really, she really showed the boys how it was done, which was, I mean, yeah, look through those, look at all those scorecards. What's the one that didn't count for her? A 72 was the one that dropped. Um, so so that's some pretty impressive goals.
2: How could how we've been talking about her for a long time on this show, you two, Stacey. You, you, you answer this first, and by all means, jump in, Hazy. But how, how good could she be, um, Stace? Could, can she? Has she got the type of game that could you know compete over in America?
1: Yeah, I, I really think uh, she needs to get to America, Mari. That's my uh, feeling. Um, I think. I think she will go back to Japan. Oh, who knows what's going to happen this year? Oh, it probably doesn't yeah, look likely yeah. at this point going back there at the moment. But I think she will probably have another season in, uh, in Japan and then hopefully try and get to the States, which was her initial plan this year. But obviously everything's been put back. I just think she's got some real ticker. Like she's got some real grit, I would say. Um, and she just, like, I don't, how do I put this nicely? I'd say she's a very selfish person, um, yeah. but, but for the benefit of her golf. Um, everything, you know, she does things how Paris wants to do it, um, which I think has really, really helped her in Japan. Um, yeah, so my my answer to that, Mari, is yes, I I do think she can be really good once she finds her feet in the States.
0: Yeah. you got so, any more on so that so one,
1: Hazy? That... What do you think on that, Hazy?
0: <laughs> no, no, I 100% concur. And I think that, like like many of the young guys on the Corn Ferry Tour, for example, they just need a break to get up to the big dance, and, and I think we'll really see yeah. the best of them. And I, I also want to highlight there, Andy, while we're on the Queensland phase of the State Challenge, yep. the um, equal runner-up, because uh, the, there were three, Shea Wolf cobb and David Gleeson, uh, an older and a younger professional, yeah. but also yeah. among them, Elvis Smiley, uh, yeah. the Australian junior champion who's played in the Australian Open last year, continues to really impress me, I know that. And if you're talking about dropping rounds... This is how consistent Elvis Smiley is. He's dropping a 70. Uh, oh, yeah, he so did it, too. So, so yeah, Six rounds under par, which I think against a bunch of pros around you uh, in something that could daunt you, it really tells me that Elvis Smiley's got his head on properly. And when mm. his natural improvement with his tender years comes on and his body gets bigger, here's a name we've really got for that black book already.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's so. Yes, yeah, such consistent golf through those uh, six rounds for Elvis. So, yeah, congratulations to all of them.
2: Yeah, and and to everybody who made it happen in difficult times. And I'm sure it wouldn't have been necessarily easy pulling the whole thing together. The three, you know, the GA with the with the ALPG and the PGA, of course, have really kind of combined their um, you know their their energies to make this happen. So that to everybody who. Uh, I'm sure you're probably better coming out of your mouth, this Hazy, than me, because you're you're far more profoundly involved and closer to it than I. am. But I can't imagine this would have been necessarily easy to make happen on what I thought would have, what I suspect would have been pretty short notice. Um, so it's a it's a it's a pretty good effort, I reckon.
0: Yeah, no, it's a fantastic effort from the three bodies, and also from the. Um, I want to make special note of the, the high performance staff who probably got out of their um, already busy roles to actually physically run a tournament as well um just just huge huge kudos to going over and above the normal call of duty to get these players and there are there are 18 in each state um you know to the line through a tournament and hopefully better out the other side regardless of the score they achieve so well done to everyone um really great achievement and showing you know what can happen when we all work in together and i Stace, I'm sure you concur with that. And I want to, before we let you go, I just want to touch base with you about the LPGA Tour season, which is uh, about to kick off. Um, We've waited for a long time for this. We spoke to Sarah Kemp last week, as you know. She was very excited about two events in Ohio. And you've already mentioned the upcoming um, British leg of the Tour. Uh, You must be excited to see it all back on deck. Yeah, I can't
1: wait, actually. And it's obviously uh, started with some extra Tour this week as well. Um, so it's just been nice to be following some women's professional golf again um, with having uh, Steph Nara and Julianne Sue, I'm not sure, apologies if you guys have already touched on that, um, playing this week. But then, yeah, LPGA coming up this week. I can't can't wait to, to watch some of our girls again, like uh, Kempe, Minji, Sarah Jane, Kirky, um, all these girls see, where, see I guess, um, where they're at, but see the excitement for just playing some tournament golf again, you know?
2: It'll be doubly more, it'll be twice as interesting as the stuff we're seeing on the men's side of the tour, that's for sure, over in America. It's been pretty bland and tough to watch if you want an editorial comment thrown in. So I'll be very, very keen to see the girls. Nice um, one, Murray, nice
1: one.
2: Just putting it out. Hey, um, good work from you. Well done. Um, And good to hear your voice. Um, I think this is a a cracking series. I don't know whether there's going to be room for it once things return to normal, whatever that looks like. But if there's a spot for it somewhere, I think this could become something that's keenly contested right around Australia. I think the states that didn't get to participate would absolutely love to have their own version of it. Um, good on you, Stace. Speak to you soon. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for
1: having
2: me on again. Stacey, Peters, is part of the family. There's a bit of stuff we need to uh, polish off. We'll do that on the other side of the break. You're listening to Inside the Ropes.
1: Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia.
2: Great to have you with us. So there's a bit of stuff we need to tidy up with before we get out of here for another week. We've spoken to Cam Davis already about um, his tilt at the 3M over there at the PGA Tour. Michael Thompson, this is a good story. I don't know how much of this you actually watched, Hazy, as we sort of said a bit earlier. The PGA Tour is becoming a bit of a grind to watch these days. But um, Michael Thompson's a pretty good story. First, second win, first win in seven years. Um, they kept... They really, fo- when they realised he was a big chance, they started focusing on his family story. And there's, you know, new arrival in the family via an adoption. It's a second child they've adopted. It's the family's all over the joint. So there's, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a whole real life story attached to what he's doing as a golfer. So uh, it was pretty easy to feel good for Michael Thompson, even though he's one of those, you know, relatively, with all due respect, relatively kind of nondescript American players who fills up fields, you know, week in, week out, but you've, occasionally we should probably stop and recognise that, you know, there's a hell of a story behind some of these people and it can be an ordinary story, um, but it's a real human story. And uh, it was nice to see him as emotionally was um, off the back of 18 when he held his birdie putt beautifully to close the thing out. It was, it was a nice way to finish that tournament.
0: He seems like a really genuine... Good-hearted guy, you know you Mm. can't ever begrudge that. He doesn't seem like the, you know, some of the billionaires we've talked about at nauseum for the last few weeks, Andy. Um, So you know, to his credit, that's great, and that he can back up. And I'll talk about another one of these guys, but that he can back up after a long gap in victories, Mm. uh, between victories, I should say, is testament to the to the professionalism that he, you know, has to put out there. We spoke glowingly about Greg Chalmers breaking his duck a while ago um all those sorts of things they're great stories they're great human stories of persistence so um i did want to mention andy while we're on on long time between drinks um someone who we all know and i think admire in tony finau is really starting to cement a place he's a he is about to cement a place to be honest um in a statistic that you don't want it's not the it's not quite the best ever player not to win a major statistic yet or discussion, but I'll tell you what, he's up to 30 in terms of top 10 results in the past four years without a victory. So mm. it's been a long time. I think it was the Puerto Rico Open in 2016-17. So not one of the big events either. And for someone who's been so good, so consistent for so long. And you know he's a legitimate top 20 player in the world. No one's going to argue that. He's now a regular on the President's Cup and hopefully on the Ryder Cup scene when that comes uh, back up again next year. 30 times he's been in the top 10, Andy, and that puts him in equal lead of that category since 2000, which is most top 10s without a win on the PGA Tour in a four-year span, with Jim Furyk, Matt Kuchar uh, at 30. Jerry Kelly got to 27 in 06 before he won again. And Chris DiMarco got to 27 before he packed it in. he never actually got uh, another chance to, to win after that. So um, on the upside for Tony Finau, he has banked 15 million US in that yeah, he's time. Going so right. it's not all yeah. bad.
2: Yeah, he's going okay. Just one, keeping on this, we spoke on last week's show uh, about Cam Percy, who missed the cut here, having to withdraw. Um, we noticed that Dustin Johnson withdrew uh, after the opening round here. There's speculation that he's got some sort of back-related issue that he's got, not that he's necessarily addressed that. I was speaking to somebody during the week over in America, player, and they were saying that there's an increasing number of back- and neck-related injuries being sustained by players because under the COVID regulations, they're having to carry their own bags a lot further than they have. They can't leave their bags on course they have to carry their bags and these bags that they're working with are not like the bags that you and i are working with hazy they've got it you know gallons of liters of water they've got everything under the sun in their bags they're actually like a portable sort of kitchen some of these things so they're a whole lot heavier than um we are accustomed to now i can imagine a lot of people going have a listen to this would you but it's the truth there's a lot of the, the physios on tour are citing a lot of golfers who are having to um, see, need treatment because of issues related to them Have to carry, them having to carry their bags to and from cars to the... You know, wherever, whatever, in other parts of the, their life where they haven't had to deal with it, they are now, and we're seeing an increasing number of injuries as a result. So just if you see a, num- a number of WDs uh, and shoulder, neck, back-related injuries... Um, several of them I put to you would be because of that. So just something to keep an eye out for. It's, it's mm, something that you wouldn't have I thought. I a
0: couple of years. No, it's not something I would have thought about at all. And and I just, by way of explaining tour bags, I, a mate of mine was playing in the Australian Open Pro-Am maybe four or five years ago, six years ago now in the same group as Adam Scott. So I was out watching him play, you know, it's a, it's a great group to be watching anyhow on the Wednesday. And, um, steve williams had to go away just uh, call of nature and he went away for 10 minutes and he just sort of signaled me across he said do you want to carry this And i, d- I did i carried scotty's bag for a couple yeah, of holes and yep. i came i carried it and honestly i was not done but i was you know i was it was taxing to carry it for yeah, two yeah, holes yeah. because my bag might weigh if i picked it up it might weigh 12 kilos This thing had to weigh 30 kilos. And Steve Williams has given me the gears when when I came back because he said, you look like you've just gone five rounds with Mike Tyson. And I said, mate, that bag's ridiculous. He goes, that's only got half his stuff in it yet. Wait till tournament day. And I'm like, that is actually, I've never thought about it, but the bag, the pro tool bags are so much heavier than, um, the things that we lug around. And, you know, I know Clayton is a big fan of the pencil bag with five sticks in it. So that's, you know, you can pick it up with two fingers, but. Um, yeah, these things are legitimately heavy. I'd never thought about that, but that's really interesting. So there you go. That's something to keep an eye on as we work our way through
2: life. Um, staying in America, uh, not a great week for the boys on the Corn Ferry Tour. Jamie Arnold, the only Aussie to make the cut. Good weekend, tight just outside the – well, tied 21st, so 13 under the card, 21 under – wins over there, but Drew and Endicott, Hensby I might have missed a player or two, but I think they were the other three that
0: teed it up from an Australian perspective. Didn't make the cut. I oh, might and plus, uh, plus our man Bowdo, didn't though so well. Oh, he yeah.
2: There's a kid in do, there's a kid I'd... who won you go on. No, no,
0: no, no I, I just I was just he... gonna say You go, you go <laughs> I just want to say I just I really I'm really getting both frustrated and hopeful all in the same breath about Arnold and Ruffles and Coletta and luck because they all seem to be there and haven't Mm. kicked it into gear on a Sunday. And if you look at the winner's scores, invariably the winners come from two or three back on the Sunday morning and shot Mm -hmm. a stupidly low round as they do on that tour. Um, So, uh, you know, Fingers crossed that one of our boys is going to be in that position in the next few weeks because they're consistently right there just as Jamie Arna was before, you know, so-so final round. Not a shocker. Just you just got to do something special on yeah, that tour.
2: That's the problem. The scoring's ridiculous. So you're going to have to go low if you're going to win one of these things. Um, I don't know whether you've got... Have you got Renato Paratore? You've got an expanding Little Black Book. Have you got Renato Paratore in your Little Black Book? How good was he? Oh, my God. What about the way he hits that driving iron? He just hits that falling out of bed. He just smashes that thing. He doesn't even look at it. He just hits it, picks a tee up, and walks 260 metres down the fairway. He is a good... And plays quickly. Celebrate that. This kid just gets on with it, this kid. There's no mucking around. Only 23. Wins the British Masters. Um... He's there was just a little bit to like about the way this, this young Italian went about his business.
0: And I love the way he was headless when he finally had his first bogey after, you know, just mm. that, that extraordinary stretch to start the tournament. I I really like the fact that he wasn't thinking about just knuckle down here and just par home and win. He was really trying to um, street the field, which I like.
2: Yep, yep. So the reality of um Golf and oh, so Jason Scrivener uh, tied twenty nine. Jake McLeod started well. Jake and just couldn't quite hang on. He made the cut, of course, but uh, three over finished tied sixty seven. A couple of Aussies missed the cut uh, up there. But um, anything for, to take away from an Australian perspective for you?
0: I really like Jason Scrivener. Without again, without the low round that I, the the leaders and the, those in contention shot, he didn't have one of those super low rounds, but four consistent rounds from Jason Scrivener, And on the back of that appearance that he made, a rare appearance on the uh, USPGA Tour a few weeks ago, mm, I reckon he's sure. winding into form. So um, I've got high hopes for him as well. Just got hopes everywhere, Andy.
2: Yeah, no, we got to be hopeful at this time,
0: Hazy. So Andrew Johnson, Beef, uh,
2: as he's, you know, affectionately known, he, this was a Wednesday start, the, the British Masters, and he withdrew after nine holes. And I... I Encourage anybody who can be bothered to, to go and find the quotes as to you know, when he was asked about the withdrawal after um, the opening round. He only, he only got halfway through it, but a very human response. You know, it just didn't feel right. The family's up there. I'm here living in a hotel. Just doesn't it doesn't feel right. I don't really want to be here under these circumstances. He, he loves the game. He wants to play, but um, it really frank in his admission that he doesn't want to play. He's not he does he not going to enjoy it and if he can't enjoy it he doesn't no matter how much money's on offer and he'd rather be home with his family and wait for the the you know, for the for the real world to return and, and, and be part of that. Um I, I give him a lot of props for that. It's it's it was good stuff what he that he said after his after his aborted tournament.
0: I think he's the voice of the people still, Beef, even though he mm. hasn't continued that sort of rise that he started four or five years ago, he he tells it like it is. And I think it really engages a lot of people, Um, you know, to him, being in a golf tournament is having a beer afterwards, or catching up with his mates, and then going to his family, or everything—it's everything that's not hitting a ball on the eighteen holes—is yep. what yep. golf is to him. And full credit to him for saying that because that has to be true for others. And I want to make mention of Lee Westwood, Andy, on the same in the same mm. breath because he—he yep. he is very publicly at his tournament. That was he hosted that Masters. Um, I'm not sure his naming host or whatever, uh, but he was asked the question why he wasn't in the united states and why he wouldn't be going to the wgc event this year with his invitation guaranteed by his world ranking he basically said the same thing he said i'm not going i've got covid 19 fears around what the the pga 2 is doing which is probably unfair in some respects on face value but he did say that means that i would be in a hotel or at the course no family Um, i don't want to be the person who has a seven o'clock tea time um goes and eats a sandwich in his car at sort of one o'clock then has nothing else to do but go to the hotel so therefore go to the range and hit balls for the next seven or eight hours holds no interest for him which is totally understandable at his phase of his career so uh look i I, I give credit and adam scott's in the same boat for for putting family and and other priorities first good luck to them that they've got the capacity to do that but uh, i think Mm -hmm. it really speaks to a lot of other people who have far bigger issues at the moment
2: and several of the Korean women have already suggested that they won't be travelling to Europe for, you know, the upcoming um, Women's British Open. They're, they're going to stay home. So uh, that's a tournament that will open up um, for a lot of others w- without some of the, you know, the sort of top 10, 15, 20 players in the world who have decided that, you know, fear of travelling um, is overrides their, their, their desire to play in a, even a tournament as prestigious as the, as the British Women's Open. So... I've got three um, so little things, Andy. Just yep, before, we, before
0: we before we, I let you just wrap it up. I want to give a shout. Um, I know he doesn't listen, even though he's a great fellow and he's been to Australia several times. But a name familiar to a lot of listeners, Camilo Vajagus, um Depending on how you pronounce oh, yeah. it, but I'm going to go with Vajgas. He's such a nice guy, and I really just want to just you know, make it publicly known that we're feeling for him. Um, he's confirmed today that his 22 month old daughter has passed away after suffering from tumours on her brain and spine. So that's an awful time for, you know, a beautiful family. Um, Thoughts are with Camillo there. That's a tough one. He's such a likeable young fella. Um, His golf hasn't gone anywhere in the past couple of years after the brilliant way he started a few years back, but um, still a great bloke. Uh, On a much, much, much more pleasant note, Andy, I wanted to make reference to the aforementioned Mike Clayton, who, as he hit, I think it was a seven iron on the 11th at Metropolitan oh, at some stage in the nice. past week. Says, oh, you know, I think I skinnied that or I didn't catch all of that or something. But lo and behold, it's dropped in the cup for what I believe is Mike Clayton's 20th hole in one. I'll have to double check that with him when he's next on. 20th. But, no, he um, he, cons-
2: he admitted that and declared it for all who follow him on Twitter that it was indeed his 20th.
0: Unbelievable. I. And, well, and, I mean, and he
2: added... It's the first one he hasn't flushed,
0: you reckon? So there you go. <laughs> um, and I do want to point out on a really, really positive note that's a genuinely good story uh, about the membership figures in Australian club golf. Uh, for the first time since 1999, Andy, this week, the participation report of 2019 was confirmed and membership, club membership rose. Only a little, little bit, 0.05%, but nonetheless... That's the first positive step in membership in this uh, country for a long time, this century. So, um, thanks for everyone for getting involved and supporting your local clubs.
2: Hear, uh it's a great game, and uh, clubs are the lifeblood of it to a huge degree. So, uh, the more we can support them, you know, if it can, if you can, it's uh, it's a good thing to do. Uh, there's been a bit on. We've left a bit behind. We'll pick all that up next week. I'm sure a whole lot of it will be relevant. We've got our first major championship of the year to look forward to. When we come back next week, uh, the PGA Championship, uh, not too far away. It'll be fascinating to see how that feels from a um, comparison perspective without people around. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to that and uh, have a chat about it when we return on Inside the Ropes. Uh, good to see you, mate. I'll speak to you next week. Thanks, Murray. Thanks for tuning in again, folks. This has been Inside the Ropes, episode 174. Back next week to do it all again.